Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host, Vince Beard. Once again, and always, we are joined by our co-host, Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello, everyone. Well, it's been a busy week for us both, hasn't it, Vince? Um, we met up for the Social Worker of the Year Awards, and that's going to be the topic of the podcast today. I'm really excited to talk about it. But yeah, I've had quite a, a busy week. I've seen three shows at the theatre. Um, nice. You know, my love of theatre is like it's one of my favourite hobbies. Um, so I saw six, the musical, last Thursday. I thought you said um, you've seen three. Have you seen three or have you seen six? Which one is it? I've seen seen three, six, the musical. <laughs> Why did you up, my friend? But I got you. I got you. <laughs> you did get me. You did get me. Um, but yeah, so that was about um, Henry VIII's wives and their story it was a really really good show and then I went to see The Confessions at the National Theatre which is a new play that's just come out um it's quite a poignant one it was a quite um it wasn't really a happy play it was kind of reflecting on the beauty of life and just life events so it, I mean I didn't cry I was expecting I was going to cry but I didn't so that was good um because I normally cry at the theatre and then I went to see Rebecca, the new musical based on the book by Daphne du Maurier, um, one of my favourite books, actually. So that was really good as well. I saw that in the West End. So it's been quite a, a busy week. But um, you've been to the theatre as well, haven't you, Vince? I have, I have. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been a busy one for busy one for me as well. I mean, I've got to start off by sharing this story, though, um, the story of my last luggage. So, listeners, um, <laughs> well, I feel quite fancy. I flew down. I flew down to the Social Worker of the Year Awards simply to save money. It sounds bizarre saying that, but it was cheaper to fly to uh, London and back, given that I live very close to Newcastle Airport, um, than it was to uh, get the train down. So I flew down. I flew down, but my luggage stayed in Newcastle. Wouldn't have been as big an issue as it was, except for the fact that my tuxedo and shoes were in said luggage. So by the time I got to London, I had about two hours to source a tuxedo. But thanks to the help of yourself, Tilly, and our mutual friend who you're with, who did a sterling job, and many thanks to her, lovely, lovely support from her, um, we managed to get me a, a tuxedo sorted. So I literally got into the airport, straight over in a cab to get a tuxedo fitted and had about a 10, 15-minute turnaround for the awards show. I was finally returned to my luggage tonight five days later because when I got back to Newcastle on the Sunday morning, I went to the lost luggage desk and I said, oh, your luggage is now in London. So essentially it's bounced up and down from London to Newcastle and, you know, it's come back up. So i am finally got it back today. I've been reunited with it. But uh, when that debacle was out of the way, I had a I had a wonderful night. We'll not talk too much about the Social Work of the Year Awards because we will get into that. It is the main topic, but I did have a wonderful night. And then um, the next day, I uh, I surprised my lady friend by taking her to see Wicked. She's been a big fan of Wicked, the musical, but had never seen it. So I thought, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to surprise her. So six weeks ago, I organised tickets when we knew, you know, the date of the Social Work of the Year Awards and everything. We booked the hotel. And uh, I'd got these tickets, you know, big surprise for the Saturday. But when I got there on the Friday evening, the first thing she says to me is, oh, Tilly's going to take me to see Wicked. And I was like, oh, my God, what on earth has happened here? 
turns out you've booked a taker next year, haven't you, Tilly? I have, yeah. Well, this is what happens when you don't tell me your plans because otherwise I would have avoided it. But um, yeah, so we're going to see Wicked in June when it's touring the country. Um, But it won't matter because I've seen Wicked before and and now our mutual friend has seen Wicked, but it's, it's one of those musicals that we can see time and time again and it'll still be magical. I enjoyed it. I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't say it's up in the upper echelons of my favourite musicals because I like a sung through musical. Wicked isn't sung through. I also like a historical musical. Essentially, I like Hamilton. I like Les Mis. Those are like my two favourites. Um, <laughs> I am not sure if I have ever seen a greater set piece, a greater single song in one musical than when they did Define Gravity and she actually is above the stage. I was like, I, I just, I was in shock. I was I was speechless at that. I, I don't think I have ever seen, and I've seen a fair few musicals, I'm not sure I've ever seen a better end to a first act than I have that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's just that it was captivating. magical moment. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the way the yeah, lights are it, coming out and it's all shimmering and we saw it with the Apollo Victoria. Have you seen it there before? Yeah, yeah, that's where I saw it before, Um, probably about, must be like 10 years ago now. It's, yeah, it's a long been time there. ago. It's been running there for 17 yeah. years. It's just been literally been continuously there, quite often two times a day for, um, for yeah, 17 years. So, yeah, um, before this turns into the, the musical theatre podcast, um, let's, <laughs> uh, let's get on and read some reviews. Um, we've had two reviews in this week. Both come from unusual channels. Um, the first one has come from Nadine. Nadine messaged us on Instagram earlier last week, and she said, I love listening to your podcast when out and about traveling to clients' homes. Thank you for such good discussions. You are both fabulous. Well, we think Nadine is fabulous too, do we not, Tilly? We do. Thank you so much, Nadine, for getting in touch with us. We'd love to hear your feedback. And we've had another one, which has come from an even more niche channel. This has come via um, your own personal teams at work, Tilly. So we're not going to read out who it's come from, but it's uh, one of your esteemed colleagues. And she says, hi, Tilly. I hope you don't mind me messaging about this. I just wanted to say I thought your podcast this week was brilliant. I'm so passionate about this subject. I've seen so many social workers' mental health be affected by the job and not properly supported, and it is so sad because their voices are lost. I really feel that we need to support each other more, otherwise we will lose more brilliant social workers. There are parts of the podcast I could really relate to, especially when I was working in childcare services. I just wanted to let you know this is it really moved me and is a subject that should be talked about, if only for the sake of social workers that lose their lives in this way, as we should always remember them and the work they have done. Thank you ever so much. Um, we could only refer to you as Tilly's colleague, but I know your name and uh, yeah, I'm sure hopefully you'll be listening to this and um, I appreciate you sending that message to Tilly's colleague and also Tilly, thank you ever so much for passing it on to me as well. It meant a lot because last week's podcast was was difficult. It was difficult. Um, my, my best friend, Jason, he contacted me as well. He said it had moved him to tears. He was out gardening. He's a gardener, by the way, listeners, just in case you think he was just, you know, cutting about gardening in, uh, in early November. But he was uh, he was gardening for the day and he says uh, he was crying. He was in a podcast in front of one of his clients because obviously I was talking about, you know, people that me and him grew up with and you personally. So, um, yeah, it's really resonated that we've had a big spike in listeners and a lot of comments about last week's podcast. So um, thank you very much, Tilly, for sharing that on your friend's behalf. It means a lot. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing too. Right. Um, should we just get into this, my friend? Should we do this? Yeah, it's a happier topic this week. So I'm I'm really yeah. looking forward to this one. So this week, guys, it's going to be the uh, the alternative social worker of the year awards. We're going to talk about the actual social worker of the year awards, and then we're going to go on and we're going to we've got five of our own nominations for alternative awards. A little bit uh, a little bit different to what the uh, the official awards offer up. Um, but let's talk about the social worker of the awards, Tilly. Social worker of the year awards, Tilly. Uh, we were there in London on Friday night. Um, what was it like for you? Oh, it was amazing. It's just one of those magical nights of the year where it's so inspiring to see so many social workers come together and just celebrate good practice. Um, there's not very many times that we get to do this. Um, we are often only talk about the, the bad stories, the negative ones when things go wrong. But to hear some of the incredible work that goes on all up and down the country, it's really moving. And it's a really good networking event. Um, and they put on a really, really good um, dinner and evening for us. So thank you very much to Social Worker of the Year Awards and everyone that's involved with it and the sponsors. It was a, a really good night. Yeah, I had an excellent night. I had an excellent night. Um, I went for the first time last year, so I've been back to back. I have to be honest here. Um, before I went there, I didn't know what the hype was around. And I, I've got to be honest, I was at danger of being influenced by really negative people, negative trolls online who spoke very negatively of the Social Worker of the Year Awards, having never been and having had nothing to do with it. And such is the level with this toxicity. Sometimes you think, wow, these people are so passionate about being negative and toxic about these things. They've got the real teeth into this. There must be something to it. But no, there wasn't at all. And um, last year, it really, really changed my mind. It was it was so positive. Um, I really left with a, a warm buzz about my profession, really proud about the stories. And you could sense in the room it was a great, there's a great feeling of pride that not only would those awards and the stories told warm those in that room on that evening, but it would carry forward and it would leave a legacy. And it did, it sustained me, you know. I, I still recall some of the stories from last year now. And Friday was exactly the same, you know, the stories, the atmosphere, the vibe, the the people coming together. You don't really get many networking events where you can get all kinds of people from across the spectrum to come together like that to celebrate the best of social work practice. And I had a great time. So thank you ever so much to uh, to Sanctuary, the headline sponsors who uh, invited us down there. Thanks to Genesis who put on the show. Thanks to Peter Hay and the rest of the board of trustees for the show. Uh, Ashley John Baptiste, the, the host, was amazing once again. And uh, yeah, it was superb. Thanks to Bernadette Mooney. She uh, she heads up the award. She kind of leads it and runs it behind the scenes. I met her, had a chat with her, um, thanked her for how well it was. It was just a, a really superb evening. And thanks, um, obviously, to yourself, Tilly, your company, our mutual friend who was there with us. You know, the company was good and it was a... It was a really, really lovely evening all round. And uh, I look forward to next year's already. What... Um, what would you say inspired you then? Because, you know, this year, just the same as last year, I, I've really been inspired and infused by what I heard and saw at the awards. But before I talk about my own experiences, Tilly, what uh, what did you like? Obviously, you got to see Lynn Romero again, which you'll be buzzing about. But uh, I did, know, what, I know. What did you find particularly inspiring and um, exciting about the show? 
Oh, there were so many aspects, but I think the standout moments for me was when they showed the video of last year's overall winner, um, the story of Casaba and the multidisciplinary team around this woman who had experienced um, a very, very long period of time in institutional care. And this team were so dedicated to get her back into the community. And it was nice to see that on a video because obviously we heard about the story last year um, and it was very moving. But then to see the video that went with it that had been produced for this year's show, um, I had a tear in my eye at that moment. And I think many of our uh, many of the people that were there did as yeah. well. And I just love I love the diversity of the boards as well, um, that you get people from all walks of life, all over the country. You get a mixture of people that are working with children's, adults, mental health services, statutory services, voluntary services. Um, it was just, it's a really nice atmosphere that, that that social work fields can often get pitted against each other and and people have views about different social workers in the profession. And But you don't get any of that at the awards. You just get that overwhelming positivity that we're all doing our best for the people that we support whoever they are and wherever they come from you're right there you're right there was it, it's a really good spectrum isn't it? i mean some of the new awards were really good as well um there was a new award for amp which was really good to see good to see that recognition um some of the awards like digital transformation social justice award as well as getting, you know, leader of the year, adult services, children's services, and so on, it, it really does, it really does reflect well upon the spectrum of social work. You know, winners from all over the country, from as far, you know, south as Essex and Dorset, all the way back up to um to my neck of the woods, there was a winner from Gateshead. So yeah, it was really good. I, I thought it was really it's a real diverse night. Um I I can't look past the the overall winner the um the winner of winners so the, the basically what happens guys is that, you know they have the different categories of social worker of the year then they pick one winner from them and the winner from them was a a man called Omid Badar um Omid's story was amazing he he is from Afghanistan originally born in Afghanistan he lived his teenage years in a refugee camp um he lost his father and brother because of the war in Afghanistan. He sought refuge in England when he was 14. He spent time in the care system, uh, but he spoke about the positivity of the care system. Do you remember that, Teddy, when he said at the start, you know, mm. um, the care system was quite good for him. You know, the good times were good and even the bad times made him who he was. So it was very, very refreshing because the narrative about care is usually very negative. And I thought that was quite touching in, in his speech. Um, which, you know, I remember said it was a dream come true. And on the 90s, I've just read out his quote here. He says, I've been exposed to a lot of trauma. I've overcome it and I want to help these children overcome their traumas and be the voice that they've never been. It's a pleasure to be here. It's been an amazing night. And we had a couple of, um, when they played the video after we got the, the winner of the night, there was a couple of people uh, spoke about him. One was his service director, Vicky Metheringham. And she said, and you probably remember this, Teddy, it was very touching. She said, if I ever needed a social worker, I'd wanted to be our maid. He has experienced enough hardship to last 10 lives. And as well as having that comment from someone who knew him, having, you know, obviously Vicky Metherman will be his, uh, one of his senior managers. There was also a comment from one of the award trustees, Sherry Malik, And she said, 
He has been described by his colleagues and by the people he supports as kind, brilliant, compassionate, dedicated, and I can't say it better than his manager. I want to bottle what he has and share it with all social workers. So for me, obviously, I have to be honest, Tilly, I'm always a little bit biased when it comes to children's social workers. I'm even more biased when it comes to northerners. So when you've got a children's social worker <laughs> who's a northerner, who's gone through what I made, has gone through, you know, wow. It was um, it was incredibly inspiring indeed. And it's stories like that. It's stories like a maid's which really resonate with me because I think, yeah, I have some bad days in social work. We all do. We all have difficult times in social work. But I think, well, if a maid can go through what he's done and speak so positively about social work, it ain't really that bad, is it? Yeah, it, it's such a powerful story that he he shared. Um, yeah, and his speech was ever so moving. So congratulations! It's just, it's we want to bottle up that positivity and share it with all social workers, just like they said. We do, we do. We'll see if we can get some Erda or Maid and share that out and <laughs> the social work work for us. All right, Maid, I've got a got a business proposition for you, mate. Drop me a line. Drop me a line. We'll see what we can do. Um, right, let's go. On, let's move on and move on to our own alternative social work of the year awards. We've got five different categories. Are you ready to do this, my friend? Oh, I'm so excited. Come on then. <laughs> and we don't know each other. Is this is what's exciting. No, we, we don't. don't. I've got it. I've I've got a good guess who your goat's gonna be. Do you? Mm. Oh, maybe it isn't. I think you're gonna be surprised. I, think oh, I hope I'm surprised. surprised. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be other <laughs> I've gotta tell you right now, I, th- I think it's gonna be Brené Brown. I knew you think it was that, but no, <laughs> it's oh, not oh, wow. her. It's not her. Is this a brown so, free zone yeah. tonight? Are we gonna have no Brené Brown it, it, whatsoever? There is no Brené Brown on my list. As, oh my as much as I love her, wow. I um I'm trying to I try to pick my winners um for my categories of people that have really done a lot this particular year. Good. Um Good. and and uh, Brené Brown is is timeless. Every year is a Brené Brown year. No, um, it's Bre- no, we're Brené band. That's what we're doing. We're Brené <laughs> band today. Okay. Right. That's fine. So, guys, we're going to go through, um, we've got five different categories that uh, I've chosen in my own little head. The first one is the Unsung Hero Award. The second one is I Couldn't Live Without It Award. The third one is Celebrity Inspiration of the Year. The fourth one is Social Work Villain of the Year. Boo! And the fifth one is the Social Work Goat, Greatest of All Time. This is like essentially our version of the Lifetime Achievement Awards. So, Tilly, um, with no further ado, let's, uh, let's crack on and do this. So... Tilly, my friend, we're coming to you first. Please give us your social work unsung hero of the year and tell us why you have gone for them. Okay, so this is a... I I agonised over this one because there are so many unsung heroes out there that I come across in my professional and personal lives. um, So many that I could have chosen. But I wanted to find a story that that could be shared because the, the, the people that I'm coming across in my personal and professional lives, those stories aren't mine to share. So I wanted to pick one that's out there already in the public eye, but that probably I'm guessing no one or very few listeners will have heard of this. Um, so it's, it's a lady called Sia, uh, not the singer Sia. Um, I'll just add to that. She came about through the UN um, women of the year and she did a presentation um, as part of this 
I don't know how it's uh, how it's really described, but there's this thing called the Moth. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, uh-huh. but it's an international program where it's about storytelling and mm-hmm. people share their stories and they they then present them and they they have awards all o- or um, ceremonies all over the world. And Sia, um, her real name is, and I apologise if I don't say this right, but um, um, Watcha Peron Kuke Wakasim, and she's from Thailand. And she, it sparked my interest because she's a social worker. Um, she's a social worker who works in domestic violence services and advocacy for people in Thailand. And it through the eyes of the moth and the storytelling platform, she tells her story about living in Thailand when she was younger and as a child. And she was really personally impacted by domestic violence. And she recalled this event where she was in the market with her family and her dad beat up her mum in front of everyone. And no one helped, no one stepped in, Mm. everyone just turned and looked away. And it really profoundly impacted on her. And she then went on to say about a story where she was a little bit older and she came across some people fighting and um, in front of this woman and child. And although she was absolutely terrified for her own safety, she stepped in because she said that no one should ever look away. There's this culture that domestic violence is a family issue and it should be kept within the family. But that's clearly wrong and it is everyone's business and no one should be subjected to that level of violence and that's sort of the foundation of her work really that she um, wants people to talk about it she she helps educate people about domestic violence and the fact that no one has to put up with it that's not acceptable way to behave or to be treated and yeah, it was just a really powerful story that she shared. So Sia, um, that's her nickname. It, she is my unsung hero of this year. Sia, you're in. You've got the award. Well done. Congratulations. Um, I sounded a bit sarcastic the way I said it there. I didn't mean it. That, I just, I just, as, as those words were coming out, I was like, that sounds a bit sarcastic. I genuinely don't mean it, Teddy. Um, I'm just, I'm thinking, yeah, that didn't sound good there. But Sia, um, congratulations. It still, still doesn't sound earnest, does it? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> okay, move on, think, move on, move on. I don't think I'm sounding earnest enough. Um, my Unsung Hero Award goes to a group of people. My Unsung Hero Award goes to the admin workers, the supporters and the social work. Our administrative, and our, easy for some to say, our administrative staff in social work genuinely are unsung heroes. Nobody is, nobody's giving them awards. Nobody's thanking them. Nobody's writing about the burnout of admin staff. Nobody is talking about the work that admin staff do. And we simply couldn't do our job without them. Now, there's lots of people in social work that we couldn't do our job without. We couldn't do our job without managers. We couldn't do our job without the allied professions we work alongside. We couldn't do our job without clients. We couldn't do our job without contact workers, family support workers, domestic abuse support workers, IDFIS, refuge workers, crisis team workers. The list could go on and on. But people kind of see their work. People see the work of those because the client facing. People don't see the admin work. So admin workers, you are my unsung hero award. In particular, my favorite admin worker of the last year is Linda. Linda, who I worked with in Stockton for two years. That was my last frontline position. I was an assistant team manager in Stockton upon Tees. And uh, Linda, you are a star. All the admin team there have written about you guys before. You're absolute legends. And um 
But all admin workers, in my 11 years in social work, all admin workers have been excellent. I could not do my job without you, so you are my unsung heroes. Right, Tilly, category two, I couldn't live without it award. One thing in social work you couldn't live without. What is getting your I couldn't live without it award this year? So I'm going to have to say my phone, and that sounds really a bit fickle to be honest compared to the last award where it's doing something amazing see and our admin workers um but yeah my phone i i couldn't live without my phone i do all my diarizing and appointments on my phone obviously it's our primary method of contact when we're ringing people up and having those interventions over the phone or getting people's views consulting them etc um and it's so nice to be able to have access to like your emails or your teams or your your work on your phone when you're out and about it means that we can do our our work remotely and I'm very grateful for that that we don't have to be chained to the office we can go out and about and do social work in the community so yeah my phone is my can't live without I'm afraid congratulations phone you've made it in I hope you enjoy your <laughs> I hope you enjoy your award um <laughs> mine's quite similar to be honest mine's my outlook calendar I I am a slave to my Outlook calendar, but a willing slave. Everything that I do, you know, our time box, I rarely, rarely have a to-do list. Everything simply goes on my Outlook calendar. I use my Outlook calendar. I have a dedicated email, just as you know. As you know, I've got Vince Peak calendar, which is just my email. You'll get, you get uh, invites to that. And as you know, Tilly, I, I love to plan ahead and I love to, you know, we, you've just had an email from me this morning booking in things 12 months in advance for our catch-ups. That's how dedicated and detailed I like to be. But when I fully gave up my paper diaries a couple of years back, when I fully embraced Outlook, both on my phone, my personal life, my professional life, when I fully embraced time boxing and and dedicated myself to time boxing using the Pomodoro technique, working in, you know, deep work focuses of periods where I really, really dedicated myself. A lot of people will look at that and think that is very, very restrictive for me, that order is the greatest freedom I could have because having that order means that things are done and things are not hanging over. I used to live my life where things were already hanging over me and there was always like something in the back of my mind to do. I was always working off a to-do list. This was God, 30 or 40 you know, points long. Now it's time boxed. I'm very dedicated. I work in those time periods. If it isn't during that time period, if it's an emergency, I'll work a little bit later. If not, I simply roll on to tomorrow. So I could not live without my Outlook calendar. Our third award is our Celebrity Inspiration of the Year. Now, this doesn't have to be a social worker, guys. It's just a celebrity over the last year who has inspired us in our lives, personal and professional. Who's your celebrity in for the year? Is it uh, is it Michelle Obama? No, no, I'm, I'm surprising you. I'm not going with any of the people that you would normally think I would. Usually um, it's Michelle Obama and Brené Brown. Usually when we talk about anything is. who you like, it's Michelle Obama and Brené Brown. So I cannot believe it's been an Obama and Brown free podcast tonight. This is a turn up for the books. Anyway, my friend, it shoot. Is. Who is and, your celebrity was, inspiration? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I was expecting yours to be Bruce Springsteen or um, Kanye West. So well, we'll see. It could be. We'll could see. Be. We'll could see. Be. Um, no, my celebrity inspiration for this year is Lewis Capaldi. Nice. Um, for those of you that remember his painful Glastonbury performance yeah. back in the summer this year where he um, experienced um, 
uh, issues with his Tourette's and then the crowd sung for him. Yeah. Um, I just think he's he's been really brave this year to talk about it publicly. He's released his documentary talking about his issues with his mental health and Tourette's. And he I think he's an inspiration to a lot of our young people, particularly out there who are struggling with anxiety. Um, and he's showing us as well that it's okay to take a break. So he had to stop his world tour and he said, actually, no, I need to focus on my mental health. And I think that's mm. a really powerful story. Um, so he is my celebrity inspiration of 2023. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. Um, I've gone for Elon Musk. Oh, I would not have expected that. Tell me more. So I'm just going to give you some of Elon Musk's qualities and see if you can work out why I think he might be an inspiration for a man like me. He never sleeps. <laughs> When he does sleep, he usually sleeps in the workplace. Mm-hmm. He runs multiple businesses that are all massively successful. He isn't bothered by criticism. And if anything, he welcomes criticism. He welcomes free speech and criticism. Uh, and despite the fact he's under intense pressure, he still seems remarkably happy and relaxed at all times. And he speaks his mind as well. He, he's I don't always agree with what Elon Musk says. But what I do agree with and what I love, he is one of the few world-famous prominent figures who genuinely says what he believes. And in the modern age, that is so incredibly, incredibly refreshing when people are quite scared to share their views for fear of criticism, regardless of what those views are, or when people tend to only give the answer that they think people want to hear or perhaps the answer that's going to garner the most attention. Elon Musk doesn't do that. Whenever he's interviewed, he he tells it as it is and he's not afraid to call people out. I love some of the questions that he fires back at journalists. Journalists can ask him questions. There was a famous one of the BBC journalists earlier this year who was called Elon Musk out saying, I've seen more hate speech on Twitter or X as it's now known since he took over. And Elon Musk went back to him, could you give me examples of that? And the journalist couldn't. And it's like, good, good on him. You know, you should be calling journalists out because a lot of journalists are toxic. I genuinely do believe there's a there's a certain narrative amongst some journalists to paint a certain picture, which isn't really reflective of everyday life. And it's scandalous and it drives people to be against one another when you, you pit out these divisive and toxic narratives in the media. So, yeah, I don't agree with everything he says, but I, I think his inspiration, I think his commitment and diligence and effort and the fact he isn't bothered by criticism or relaxed, for me, yeah, he's been a bit of an inspiration. I like the way he goes on. I like, I like the cut of his jib. Yeah, I get that. Like I said, I don't always agree with with um, everything that he puts out there, but he's he's brave. He is fearless he is in that respect. And he um, he's very successful. Um, and, yeah, he's not afraid of that cancel culture that is taken over the world. So good on him. Um, good on him. Yeah, I, 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 I support that choice. Um, right. Our penultimate award of the evening is the Social Work Villain of the Year. Boo! Now, this person doesn't have to necessarily be linked to social work, but it's someone that we think is a bit dastardly and deserves a comeuppance. Who have you gone for and why? (laughs) I wonder if we're going to pick the same person for this. I've gone with Stuella Braverman. Um, oh, I was close to going for her. Oh, I, have gone for, <laughs> I have gone for a British woman, but I haven't gone for Braverman. Tell me why. Tell uh, me. Why. Okay. Well, for um for our audiences from our international audiences, Suella Braverman is the Home Secretary of the UK, and she is 
appalling with her views on refugees, people in mental health crises, people um, who are homeless. She wants to close all of our borders and she's put out some horrendous proposed legislation this year. We've had the illegal migration bill um, to try and stop refugees from seeking um, refuge or asylum in the UK. Um, She's tried to put some of our refugees well, they're currently in a, a barge very near to me um, in a local port in Dorset um, and she's tried to ship people off to Rwanda as well and now at the moment she's against homeless people having tents so people that already don't have a home to go to or a roof over their head she now doesn't want them to have tents um, and she thinks that being homeless is a choice and it's all their fault she's just got the most abhorrent views. I cannot believe she's in a position of power and um, she makes a lot of people's lives miserable. So she is my villain of the year. Yeah, I think we could agree on that one. Braverman, you're in. You're in. You know, the borders to social worker closed to you, Braverman. Mm. Um, Mine's Hannah Ingram Moore, Sir Captain Tom Moore's daughter. Oh, yes, I, I get that. Okay. Explain for our uh, international <laughs> listeners who might not know who she is. This is going to be such a bizarre story for international listeners, but I'm going to try my best. Like, just, how, how on earth do you explain the story of Captain Tom Moore? And it's just, it's so quintessentially British. It's just, it, it is. Overseas oh, listeners, yeah. settle yourself down. I'm going to try and do this story justice. So, um, cast your mind back some three and a half years ago to uh, early summer 2020. The world was in lockdown. And uh, here in the United Kingdom, we were all rallied behind the National Health Service, the NHS. So much so that every Thursday night at 8 p.m., we went out there and we banged our pans. And you were a banger, Tilly. You used to bang your pan. We, we, we were, we've already worked this one out, haven't we? You're a banger <laughs> or a clapper. A clapper, I was, yep. (laughs) We've had this conversation. We're not going to go down that route again. We've already traumatised people enough with your stories of lockdown clapping. So cast your mind back, listeners, to that time. And there was was an elderly gentleman, 99-year-old, a man by the name of Tom Moore, a man by the name of Captain Tom Moore. He caught the public imagination when he pledged to walk a hundred lengths of his garden in aid of the NHS charities together. Now he aimed to raise £1,000. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk around my garden a hundred times. And every time, every time I do that, I want a tenner. I want 10 English pound. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get some money for the NHS. I'm going to do more than clap for the NHS. I'm going to walk for the NHS, but I'm going to walk a hundred lengths of my garden. And he wanted to raise a thousand pound but he didn't raise a thousand pound till he did. He did he raise a thousand pounds? No, he didn't. Oh, no. no, did he raise ten thousand pounds? Oh, no, hundred thousand pounds. No, a million pounds. I, I can't actually remember how much it was now, but it was over. No, a million. it was more than that. It wasn't a million, it wasn't 10 million, it wasn't even 20. He raised 30 million pounds and he became a knight. He was knighted by the queen. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, God rest her soul, she um, she knighted him in 2021. Um, he was knighted in a, in a summer ceremony. Now, sadly, um, Sir Sir Tom Moore he did pass away in uh, in 2021. 
he reached the age of 100 and he passed away and his legacy lived on. But for all of Sir Captain Tom Moore's heroics, there is a villain to this story, is there not, Tilly? I feel like that needs a dramatic... (laughs) Enter stage right. Who else but his own daughter, Hannah Ingram Moore. Now, Hannah set up the charity to help capitalise and help, uh, you know, make sure that her father's legacy lived on. But Hannah didn't have the same lofty ideals as Father Tom, did she, Tilly? She did not. No, no, no. Hannah was naughty, naughty. Sir Captain Tom Moore wrote a book. He wrote an autobiography detailing his life and those 100 laps of his garden. And it made over £700,000. But did that money go to the charity? Did that money go to the NHS as Sir Captain Tom Moore wanted, Tilly? No, it did not. No, whose pockets did that money find its way into? <laughs> I think we can all guess who's, where this is going. Hannah Ingram Moore. She pocketed that money. Now she's been interviewed. She originally tried to deny it, but then she's revealed that it did go. And she's saying that if her, her, one of her father's dying wishes... You know, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that's anyone dying wishes. Imagine that someone's passing away; they're about to, you know, depart to the great beyond. They're moving on. Uh, my lovely daughter, I want you to have all of the proceeds. I don't think that happened. I think that's BS. But there's more. But wait, there's more. More recently, just in the last month, Hannah Ingram Moore had planned permission to build an office to help support her father's charity work. But it wasn't really an office she was building in in the yards of her father's listed home. So she had to get permission because it's a listed building. But what was she really building, Tilly? There was about to be a C-shaped office. But actually, it turned out to be that um, it was a spa pool, complete with changer rooms, toilets, and showers. She was building her own private spa. So you have ruined your father's legacy, Hannah Ingram Moore. You have pocketed the money that everybody believed was for charity and not finished. You weren't happy. You weren't happy with that. You weren't happy with, you know, getting all this fame. You weren't happy with riding off the back of your father's 100 laps around the garden. You weren't happy with pocketing £700,000 from your father's book. You had to go that little bit further and build yourself your own private spa in the pools of the very same garden that the nation rallied behind your father in as he did those 100 laps. Hannah Ingram Moore, you are my villain of the year. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Sorella Bravham is worse, but Hannah Ingram Moore is, is appalling. Yes. If if you were you saw them both in a boat and you could only save one, who would you save? Well, I'd have to save Hannah, I think, because to me, Sorella Bravham is just the absolute worst and she's done so much harm to the country there'd be a sense of Hannah's irony. been really selfish and mm. the money should have gone to charity but no one's died as a result of her policies whereas um people have died as a result of Suella Braverman's policies right let's let's end on a happier note let's end on our social work goat social work greatest of all time not really greatest of all time because it's basically it's our version of the lifetime achievement award so tilly it's not brené brown Ooh, who's it going to be who is your <laughs> who is your social work goat of 2023 
my social work goat, and I don't know if this is going to be really cheesy, but is all of our listeners. No, actually, I'm not sorry. They deserve it because we've just done, we've just celebrated our year of um, doing the podcast for social work radio. And in this year, we've gone from strength to strength and we have show. this amazing Today we, is yeah, our 50th exactly. show. Today is our 50th show. So it's it's just incredible, the platform that we're given. And we wouldn't be given that platform without our dedicated listeners who keep coming back and put up with mine and Vince's musings on the day and our our bickering our st- and our role st- playing. Stories about Captain Tom Moore. Stories. A 10-minute and- <laughs> story about the man who walked around his garden for the hospital. <laughs> I mean, why are people still listening, honestly? But no, um, I, I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. So you're getting my GOAT award because um, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without you. I mean, that is right. You know, it is, it, it is right. Our listeners are legends. You know, we, we always... We always give a shout out to you guys. We couldn't do this without you. This, this show goes from strength to strength. Thanks to you. You are the reason we do it. And the reviews, your comments, your likes, your subscriptions, your shares. That's this is literally this is why we do what we do. So I fully agree. I was wind I was winding Tilly up there by saying she was putting on thick. Um mine mine is kind of um in memoriam, to be honest, because mine goes to a man called Stan Smith. Um I imagine most people probably won't be aware of Stan. But Stan was one of Baswa's founding members. He was one of the founding members of the British Association of Social Workers. And he passed away in October, age 90. I was blessed enough to know Stan personally because I was a member of my local branch of Baswa, the Northeast branch. I was co-opted on the committee back in 2016. Uh, a long time ago, some seven years ago. So I knew Stan there, even though he was in his mid-80s by that point. He was still a very active member. And I I remember talking to Stan and spending time with Stan and thinking, this is a man who is, you know, could have been retired 20 years ago. And yet he's still making the effort to hold that flame for social work, to go along to local branch meetings, to share his knowledge, to champion causes um he he started out uh, as a social worker in 1965 he was 32 when he started social work in 1965 he started working as a probation officer in liverpool and he gradually worked his way up north and uh, he worked in leeds and then he worked in bradford and he ended up in yorkshire and um yeah eventually ended up in the northeast of england um he joined the local branch uh, in Northeast, and that existed throughout Basel's entire 50 years. And he's also served on the England committee as well. Uh, Stan passed away last year. There have been many, many comments uh, and, uh, you know, comments, uh, you know, thanking him, many tributes left to him. Um, I'm just going to read a couple out that were left on the Basel website. One's from Alan Oric. Again, I know Alan as well. I used to work alongside Alan as part of, um, you know, the Basel Northeast branch when I spent time with them. Alan said, I must have known Stan for over 35 years. As time went by, we started to travel to England committee meetings together with me collecting him on my way to Newcastle Central Station and frequently had a good laugh together. 
I remember the day he was presented with honorary membership of Basra to UK AGM and how he was taken back, but also very pleased. I will miss him. David Jones, the former General Secretary and Basra Chair and Chair of the Basra International Committee, said, I remember Stan as a constant and consistent present at Basra events, a strong and persistent advocate for social work values, drawing on his long experience and a genuine, generous person. Jackie Moore, former Basra member and chair of the England Committee, says Stan was a very faithful member of the England Committee for quite a few years. The number of posts he held as testimony to his commitment, a courteous and thoughtful person who will be missed by many and many other tributes that lead on in much the same vein. So, um, yep, someone that I, I was lucky enough to know personally, albeit briefly and not as well enough as I would have liked to, but a great inspiration to me, the fact that Stan was still doing what he was doing up until he was almost 90, still committed to social work, still championing those values. And a social worker who started in 1965 but never really stopped, even though he'd stopped working, he never stopped being a social worker. So Stan, uh, God rest your soul. Um, thank you for all your service. And you are undoubtedly my goat of this year. I love that. That's a really touching tribute to Stan. Thank you. So listeners, there we go. There we have it. Um, there are your Social Work of the Year awards, which now we know you, you've got one as well. So not only listeners, not only have you been part of the Alternative Social Work of the Year awards, you have been granted one. So give yourself a round of applause and award yourself 200 happy points. Happy points? I thought they should be Harry Potter points, shouldn't they? House points. I can have some happy points. Happy Happy points. points. They've deserved it. Um, Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, It's been an interesting show tonight. We we veered wildly from Braverman to Ingram Moore to uh, Almeid, all the way through to there being uh, uh, no talk whatsoever about Brené Brown and Obama, despite with me being the one that brought those... I, 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 I was the one that brought those people up despite saying I definitely got them. So there's some irony in that one. Um, Listeners, as always, thank you so much for your reviews, particularly the two we've read out, one from Nadine and one from uh, Tilly's colleague. It has been a pleasure. As always, listeners, if you want to leave a review, head over to iTunes or Spotify or send us a direct message. We will read that out on next week's show. Next week's show will be quite exciting, Tilly. We've got a show scheduled with Matt B. You've got a week off, Tilly. And uh, we've got an old friend back on the show. So long-time listeners who followed me and Tilly when we podcasted under a different ship's flag will uh, remember Matt B. Uh, readers of my social work news will know him. He does a, a fortnightly column. But uh, yeah, first time Matt's going to be on social work radio. Tilly, how exciting. I'm so excited. I get a week off and I get to enjoy yours and Matt's banter. It will be brilliant, I'm sure. A, so a double, a double win, win for me. Well, listeners, um, until next week, it is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Mm-hmm.